Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from Pastor Garth Ball. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. Audacious faith, isn't it good? There's two, you know, there's a few different types of faith. One is the one where it's like, you know, I, I believe, help me in my unbelief. It's like you believe, but you sort of don't. And uh, then there's the, the one where it's where this audacious faith that is, may it be unto me like you have said. And uh, why don't we thank uh, Pastor Phil and Julie for being leaders with audacious faith and uh, leading us into this season. Uh, I think Luke and I had some moments of audacious faith in Africa, didn't we, Luke? Uh, it was an amazing time. Luke's looking forward to this morning. I tell you, I'm looking forward to tonight. Luke is a man on fire, I'm telling you. This guy is like an apostle to Africa now. They honorary African. He's uh, been accepted into a number of tribes over there as, uh, as a member. But uh, he, honestly, it was such an incredible opportunity just to hang out together, but minister together and... And uh, I don't know, we did about, I don't know, seven messages in like a couple of weeks and we'll just go run off our feet. But I think one of the times that um, for me that was uh, wonderful in, in seeing faith move in, in the midst of God's people was uh, in one of our churches that we visited called C3 Masindi. It's a church that started about two years ago and there's now about uh, 600 people in the church. And uh, I don't know if you're aware, there's a little bit of corruption in Africa. Okay, you're aware. That's good. Um, and so this, uh, it's not easy to buy land. You know, I think anyone in uh, C3 Tugra that's been here for a little while has a bit of audacious faith about acquiring land and, and building the church. In Africa, it's, uh, you could even say it's even a little bit more challenging. This, these guys, man, they, you know, they, they're saving up their money. And every time, you know, they've been trying to buy land for so long and someone would come alongside them and say, yeah, we'll help you buy land. And they'd get to the point where they're about to buy and that same person that helped them then outdid them and took the land off them. And like, it's just thing after thing, people they think they can trust and stab them in the back. And it's just crazy situations. And so anyway, the place that they were at when Luke and I were there, um, you know, the, the landlord's son just got released from jail and came out. And so he didn't really like church or Christians, and so he decided that um, they should get booted out. So they were booted out from their premises, and um, and about a few weeks out from us being there, it sort of hit me that I was like, uh, that it was when we were going to be there, that they, they were three weeks from being kicked out of their building. And you know how God, he's a bit obvious sometimes, isn't he? He's like, wait a minute, what are you doing here? You're sending two guys from Tugra who have been through all these fights of obtaining land to a church that's three weeks away from getting kicked out of their land. And so uh, I just got really, you know, I had this audacious faith in my heart for a few weeks. And it was like, you know, this is where I think, I think we're here for a reason. You know what I mean? I think there's some victories on the inside of Luke and I that uh, we're going to be able to share with this church. And, uh, you know, I was sharing the stories with Luke and all of a sudden, like, one night after the conference finished, people were going out for dinner and Luke and I were like, hey, because well, we're going to that church the next day and we said, oh, 
man, let's just skip dinner and let's go and pray for this church tomorrow. Come on, man. And Boyd's, we're in there and we're praying for this church. And looks like, man, I can sense breakthrough for this church this weekend. I'm like, yeah, same here. This is going to be amazing. And um, so we went there and we did like an, uh, an overnight meeting. It was supposed to start at 6 p.m. Then it got pushed back to 8 p.m. Then the generator didn't work, so it started at 10 p.m. And so we ministered from 10 p.m. till 2 a.m. before we just said, we're out, take us home. And they kept going till 3 a.m. And then the next morning we woke up and did a leaders meeting. And then the morning, then we did that, then that night we did a leaders dinner. And that was from 8 p.m. till 12 p.m. At which time we went and got a message ready for the next morning. And crazy. And then the next morning Luke got the early shift. I graciously let him get up at 6 a.m. to go to the radio station while I slept in. And, uh, and then, well, he went, he did the radio at 6, and then he went and preached at 8 a.m., then I went to the radio at 8 a.m., and then preached at 10 p.m., and massive weekend. But um, we just knew on the inside of us that we had a deposit of faith to share with that church, uh, something that they needed, and that breakthrough was going to come in their midst. And um, so we were, and we went, no, Luke was just prophesying over everything that moved. I think a chair came to life and was crying under the power of the Holy Spirit, but and, um, and we're declaring faith and we're binding things and we're, you know, just standing with it, those guys. And, uh, and uh, you know, this, this uh, Sunday they're going to be meeting on their new land. Last Sunday they had their first service on their new land. We actually went and stood there on the land with them. They said, this is what we think we're thinking of buying and we're there. And Luke and I were just declaring over it saying, this is your land. And um, Luke was giving them wisdom on how they should go about practical things and um, and there's still challenges, you know, they've still got their, na- you know, their Christian neighbors now trying to stop their church being built. They're born again Christian neighbors, uh, not wanting a church to go ahead, and they've got their challenges ahead, but they're speaking differently. You know what I mean? Before it was all about, oh, it's, too, it's so hard, and we're gone, and we're getting kicked out in three weeks, let's run for the hills, this is just too hard. But now they're like, you know what, there's a challenge here, but we're going to overcome it, and we're going forward. And... Um, and so, you know, I think there was, there's this knowing. When you have an audacious faith, there's a knowing on the inside of you that Pastor Phil says is a feeling of absolute confidence. Pastor Phil Pringle in his faith book. Faith is a feeling of absolute confidence. It's, uh, it's you know, he, he talks about it going against the grain of, of this general thought that faith is opposite to feelings. But he's saying when you've got an, an audacious faith on the inside of you, you'll know upon no upon no that something will come to pass. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is being sure and certain, isn't it? It's not being hopeful or possible. It's like being sure and certain of things in our life. But who knows that that's easier said than done sometimes. Does anyone struggle having audacious faith in some areas of your world? Good. Okay, I'm not alone. thought I was going to have to get someone else to go up and um, share. But... See, because I've got, I think I've got an audacious faith for a few things in my life. I think I've got an audacious faith to believe that God's going to provide. You know, I've left a full-time job to go to Bible college and had a whole lot of faith tests in that regard. And I'm convinced that God is going to provide for me, that if I just step out and do what He's called me to do, and I give what He's called me to give, and I just follow Him, that I know upon no upon no in my heart that He'll provide every need that I have, even when things get difficult. Um... I believe I have an audacious faith to come into his presence because I'm righteous in his sight. I know that nothing's going to hold me back. No um, weakness, no mistake, no sin, no challenge can hold me back from coming into the presence of God. 
One thing that I really struggled but to have an audacious faith about is um, physical healing. You know, it's something that I've wanted to have an audacious faith about. I've wanted to know upon, know upon, know. I've, you know, when I was a young Christian, I used to, you know, we'll be in the tent and I used to dream of having healing rooms on the land and I used to picture myself, I was at uni at the time, coming after uni and just praying for sick people and having them walk out. I wanted it and wanted it so much, but there was something over the past, you know, sort of couple of years that I've sort of been with God saying, God, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Like, I want to believe, but there's, I don't have that assurance on the inside of me that that's going to come to pass. Lately, but it has. When I was in Africa, I don't know what, like, I don't know, I've just been, you know, I think when we ask God to help us in our unbelief, He does. When we say, God, I want to believe, help me believe that He can provide the audacious faith in our heart. And I, you know, definitely have a, a new level of that for physical healing, which is exciting. And no longer it's like, oh, please maybe be healed. I don't know. But it's like, yeah, come on, I believe it's going to happen. But I think there's um, three questions that I want to ask you this morning. Uh, to see if you, if, if you can answer them honestly. And I think they're, they're, they're questions that we need to answer, all three of them, to have an audacious faith in our heart. And um, I love the scripture that Pastor Phil's been quoting for you know, this series so far of Psalm 62, verse 11 to 12, that says, One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Uh, power belongs to you, O God, and... With you, Lord, is unfailing love. And so it's um, power. Oh, this is a great marker. Is there, oh, mixing it up, power and love. And I think these two things answer the question, the first two questions that we need to ask ourselves. I think the first question we need to ask ourselves is related to this. And we ask, is God able? We've got to ask ourselves, is God able? Is God able to do this thing? If you turn with me to Mark chapter 9, 14 to 23, you'll see um, the story of uh, the, when the, the disciples, they couldn't cast out the demon and, the demon and um, they called Jesus over and say, Jesus, we asked your disciples, but they, you know, they tried, but they couldn't. Can you do something? And uh, I'm just going to read from verse... Uh, 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? And he answered, he, uh, from childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I love Jesus' response. He says, if you can, he says, if you can, Jesus said, Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. There's a question that often goes on in our hearts going, can you, Jesus? It's like we want to believe he can, but we're like, can you? You know, we have faith for some things, but as Candace was saying, some things just seem so big and we get so overwhelmed by the circumstances in our world and, and some things seem so impossible that we say, Jesus, if you can do anything, can you help me out? Um, and Jesus' response was, if you can, it's like he's taking up the challenge going, really? If? You know I can. Of course I can. And then he goes on and, and he's healed. Ephesians three twenty to 21 says, now to him who is able, God is able. And we need to be con- totally convinced in our heart that God is able, that he's powerful, 
that he has everything it takes to move in your world. It says he is able to do immeasurably more than we can, uh, than all we can ask or imagine. That means that you will never be able to out-imagine God. That the biggest dreams in your heart, the greatest opposition in your world, the biggest uh, desire that you have is not beyond the ability of our God because He is able. Um, I've always thought that... Um, sorry, bear with me. I'm here. I've always thought that if God is who he says he is, that we, that we should trust him with everything that we have. If he is who he says he is. So if God is who he says he is, I remember being a young Christian going, well, I got to this point where I realized if God, if you are who you say you are, then I can believe you with everything I have. But if you're not just one thing that you say you are, then you're not worthy of me following you at all. It's either he's worthy of everything or he's worthy of nothing. It's not like we can believe him for some things. We can believe him to get to heaven, but not this. It's like either he is everything he says he is, or he's nothing that he says he is. And so I, I use that as a bit of a foundation to step out and believe God. I was like, well, if he doesn't prove faithful in what his word says, then you know, he's not worthy of following. And, uh, you know, well, whatever, I'm done. And I've never had that opportunity because he's always proved faithful with, with what he said. Um, and so if... Once we start getting this, uh, this idea that God is powerful and He is able, then all of a sudden it has huge implications on the way that we live our life. All of a sudden, we start believing in the impossible. Now, as a Christian, you don't have the luxury to believe that things are impossible. Um, once you became a little Christ, a Christian, you have a deposit on the inside of you that, that is the same power, the Bible says, that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is now living in you. Um, I, I've got a friend, and, and a non-Christian friend, and I, you know, a number of times told stories of healings that I've heard and gone, you know, God's done it. They just won't believe it. They're like, no, that's impossible. It, that can't have happened. They must have fabricated all those instances that you're telling me about because that is impossible. That's why they're called unbelievers, because they don't believe. But if you're a believer, all of a sudden you've got this ability to have an audacious faith in your heart to believe God and to believe that nothing is impossible. If all things are possible, then no things are impossible. And, um, you know, Pastor Julie, 25 years ago, was told that you, over 25 years ago, that you would never have kids. Is that right? Jeff and Katie McManus were told that they would never have kids. Um, I've got... Uh, Isaac, Sarah was told that she was never gonna, that she was too old. Uh, Rebecca was told that she would never have kids and had Jacob and Esau. Joseph, uh, Joseph's mum Rachel was told that she was never gonna have kids. Samson's mother was told that she, um, she was never gonna have children. Samuel's mother Hannah was told she was never gonna have children. John's mother Elizabeth was told that she was never gonna have children. But each of those people that I've told you right now have children. And I'm enjoying the fruit of one of those uh, God working the impossible. I thank God that he does the impossible and that all of a sudden nothing is impossible with him. Otherwise, I'd be just, you know, my, the highlight of my year would be sharing the room with Luke for the three weeks in Africa. And I'll tell you, that was interesting. That was amazing. I'd much rather listen to Luke preach than share. No, I loved sharing the room with you, Luke. 
<clears throat> I won't tell any, you know, secrets in this setting. But if you want to know anything about Luke's lifestyle, come and talk to me after. I'd be happy to share with you. Uh, all of a sudden, <coughs> excuse me, uh, once we get the idea that God is able, then circumstances don't hold us back. You know, most people are held back by circumstances. Most people let circumstances hold them back. Guilty as charged. I need to constantly flick the switch of faith in my heart so that I don't let circumstances or feelings hold me back from believing God. Um, Romans 8, 37 says we're more than conquerors. Do you feel like more than a conqueror right now? Or do you feel like you're being conquered by your circumstances? If we're honest with ourselves right now, I want to ask you, do you feel like more than a conqueror in your, in your world right now? Or do your problems seem like they're conquering you? Don't be surprised when you have problems. Of course, of course there's going to be bad situations going on in your world. Jesus said in John 16, said, in this world you will have trouble. That's a real faith message, isn't it? You, you will have trouble. But I have over, but take, but, uh, what does it say? But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now, you, we don't need to get, you know, um, too fussed about circumstances. And it doesn't take away the seriousness of your circumstance. I'm not trying to downplay circum- the, the realness of what's going on in your world, in your circumstances right now. But the thing is that once we have audacious faith and we believe God is able, all of a sudden, we don't have to accept the circumstances and live in them and be dictated by them. Does that make sense? Um, we, as a Christian, what we don't understand is that the opposition in our world is often the doorway to our next level of fruitfulness. You might be saying, well, I, wanna, I, I see this level of fruitfulness. I want to be uh, more abundant here. I want to be have more victorious here. But can I tell you, rarely, if at all, Will, will victory come in your world unless you've got something to overcome to have that victory? The very fact that God has called you to have victory um, shows you that you're going to have obstacles to overcome so that you can have victory. So it's like, yeah, everyone wants to be victorious, but no one wants to fight and win a victory. It's like, no one, yeah. Um, and so like, you know, Pastor Phil's already shared recently uh, about the Israelites and the exodus from Egypt. I think it's the greatest illustration it's, if I had, could take one thing out of the Bible to just one story to have, that would be it. I would take uh, the, the, this image of the Christian life, of, of the Christian by faith coming out of bondage and into a place of abundance and fruitfulness that God has for each and every person. Yes, people in Africa. Yes, people in India. Yes, people in Tugra. Yes, people in Sydney. You know, it, it doesn't matter where you're from. God has a place of, of increase and abundance and fruitfulness upon your world. But out of over a million people that left Egypt, only two entered into that. Two entered into it. Isn't that incredible? It just, I've, I've read this so many times, but it still dumbfounds me that two people out of over a million actually entered into the place of abundance for their world. And all of them had the chance. All of them had the chance. Um, I love it, uh, in Numbers 14, 24, God's description of Caleb, it says, but because Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land. I'm, I'm absolutely sure that that different spirit is a spirit of faith. 
without a shadow of a doubt. Instead of being one of the ones that says, yes, there is a place of abundance, but the fortified cities and the giants are too big for us to overcome. He said, yeah, there are giants, but surely we should go in for we can overcome and we can take hold of this land and we can defeat every giant and we can break down every fortified city. You will only ever enter into a, pl- into a greater day in your world if you have a spirit of audacious faith on the inside of you. Fear will never give you what it takes to enter into your best life. I'll tell you right now. And uh, you've got to be willing to fight. God actually took them, uh, the Israelites, the, sh- the longer way, it says, because in case they, they were not ready for the battles, that it would, in, case, in case they would, uh, they would be fearful at the battles, and then they'd shrink back. And so he took them a long way, but then the time finally comes, and all of a sudden it's like they're still not ready. You know, it's okay to have a season of, you know, God just working with you and his grace holding you up, but you've got to come to a stage in your world where you're ready to fight, where you're ready to take a hold of things for yourself and stand into all that God has called you to do and to not, be, not to shrink back because of the circumstances in your world, but to speak to your mountains and tell them to be removed into the sea. It's the only way into the promised land. It's the only way. There's no back door. There's no like secret passageway. The only way in is front on, copying every opposition and believing by faith that God can do all that he said he's going to do. In Jesus' name. And then if back in that scripture in Ephesians 3, it says, it says God is able... And all this is according to his power that is, with, that is at work within us. Isn't that amazing? And uh, I love the next verse. I don't know why I was just reading it yesterday. And it said, then it says, to him be glory in the church <laughs> and in Jesus Christ through all generations. To him be glory. Now, I'll tell you what, doesn't that just want you to make you want to praise him? When you, when you get this sense of what's available to you, I mean, you're not going to be standing here just lifting, you know, hands in your pockets looking at the ceiling. So you're going to be lifting your hands. You're going to be shouting out at the top of your voice. Praise to him, saying glory to be him in the church. Man, he is amazing. He's worthy of all praise. The second thing, the second question that that I think this one answers, that we need to ask ourselves is, is God willing? Is God willing? Turn with me to Mark chapter 1. And uh, the story of a leper who is healed. And it says this from verse 40. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. He knew he could. If you're willing, you can make me clean. I know you can do it. It says Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and was cleansed. You know, so many of us even find it easy to believe that God can. But we find it a lot harder to believe that he will. And uh, the the verse in this TNIV translation that I love the most, (coughs) excuse me, is that Jesus was indignant. A, A lot of translation says that Jesus had compassion. He was filled with compassion, which is great. But do you know that compassion isn't always the lovey-dovey sort of, oh, poor dear, I've got compassion for you, the sort of timid feeling towards something? It's actually what you have compassion for, you're going to get some sort of anger about. You're going to have some sort of passion for. The things that make you angry in your world and that the injustices that you see that you want to see shift, God has given you compassion for. 
And um, this word indignant, uh, indignant says it's a feeling of or showing feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. You know, some people think that Jesus is the version that Joshua saw, neither for them nor against them. You know he's not against you, but you're not sure he's for you. Almost getting it. Okay, that was a different scenario. Do you know in your situation right now in the New Covenant, God is for you. He's not sitting on the fence. He's not indifferent about you. He doesn't just tolerate you. It's not like he's saying, well, yeah, better let that guy in now. They have any sort of prayed a prayer at the front of the church last last Sunday. And yeah, now I'll, I'll, I'll accept him reluctantly. God, Jesus was indignant. He, was, he wasn't just willing. He was so willing that this anger on the inside of him rose up that the guy said, if you're willing, you can do it. And he said, oh man, he goes, I'm willing, be clean, exclamation mark. You know someone's serious when they're using an exclamation mark. When I write down an exclamation mark in my notes, it's like someone, I'm going, come on, like, this is amazing. It's not like, oh, yeah, I guess you've got a bit of faith. I better let you. It's like, no, he goes, of course I'm, I'm willing. Now be healed in Jesus' name. Um, he didn't use a long discourse and it was like, oh yeah, he just said, he couldn't heal him fast enough. He goes, yeah, I'm willing, be healed straight away. He's like, of course I'm willing. He was so moved by the guy's situation. Do you know Jesus is moved by your situation today? You might think he's unwilling. You're not sure what he feels like towards you, but I'm telling you, he's not neither for you nor against you. He's for you. He's not against you. He's not sitting in the middle this time. He is in your corner and he's for you. Um, I think there's a, we need to build our doctrine off the nature of God. Bill Johnson, when he was um, in here for presence, we had the uh, honor of being able to do an exclusive interview with him for C3 College Online. And uh, one of the questions that he, the interviewer asked him, they said, now what happens when someone doesn't get healed? How do you deal with that? And he said, I refuse to build a doctrine off what doesn't happen. I refuse to build a doctrine of what doesn't happen. I know God's a healer. Whether someone gets healed or they don't get healed, God's a healer and his heart is to heal. This is something I've been thinking about for a while. There's, um, I think there's some, some thoughts in the conservative Christian world that, it's, that, that thinks it's almost like a heresy to say that God wants to bless you or wants you to walk in victory or wants you to be happy. It's like, no, but you've got to give them the real picture. They've got to know that life with Jesus can be hard. It's like, well, if you've breathed one moment with life as a Christian, you'll know that life can be hard. And we can sit here and have a pity party if we want to. And we can build our doctrine of what God's like based on what's not happening in our world. Or we can build our doctrine of what God wants to do in our world based on his nature and his heart of love towards us. Um. Let me tell you why I think this. In Exodus 7, uh, 7 to 8, it says this, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, the land, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, chapter 223 says that, 
during that time that the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. Do you know, if they built their doctrine on what was happening to them, they would never have believed God was going to take them into a better place. They would have been sitting there having a pity party going, oh, this must be God's will for us to be in bondage. Obviously, God doesn't want us to experience freedom. Obviously, God doesn't have a great plan for us. Obviously, the blessings that were poured out on our forefathers, that was in their context. But now we're living in a different context. And God's heart must have changed, and it's no longer for us. But that's not the case. God, behind the scenes, God was working. He says, in your, in, your, in your struggle, in your situation that's not seeing any change, I wonder how many times they were crying out before something, before Moses came along. I wonder how often they were saying, God, come on, it's just getting worse. It's not getting any better. Can you hear us? Are you, gonna, are you there for us? Do you want to break through in our world? I wonder how many times they prayed that before Moses came, before anything happened. But behind the scenes, it says God heard their prayers and he was concerned about their suffering. Life with God is not, is not easy, but we can believe with an audacious faith that God hears our cries and wants to intervene in our situations. You've got to believe he's willing. If you don't believe God's willing, you will always be hesitant. You will never have an audacious faith that lays hold of the promises of God upon your life. I'll skip that part because I'm running out of time quickly. Um, the third question that we need answered is, um, which I've sort of touched on here, but is, is God able and is he willing, but is he willing to do it in me? A lot of us think, oh, I believe Pastor Julie, she's a pastor. She can have a miracle. Or Jeff and Katie, they're really good looking. They can, uh, they can get a miracle. I've no, I, I totally believe the best for Jeff and Katie, man. I totally believe that God is so able and willing. But when it comes to us, all of a sudden we don't believe God wants to do it in us. Does anyone have that problem? I used to have an audacious faith. Yeah, I know, I've seen people be healed. And I was like, I know people are going to be healed. But then if I'm there, it's like, oh, God, what's, what's your will for me? Maybe you want me to be sick. Maybe you don't want me to have this. Maybe you don't want me to have that. We, 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 we struggle to believe that God wants to work in us. Moses never doubted God's ability or his desire to take the people out of, the, out of Egypt and into the promised land. He doubted God's ability and desire to do it in him. He said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring them out? Gideon uh, never doubted God's ability and willingness to save Israel. He doubted God's ability and desire to do it in him. He said, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Mary never doubted God's desire or ability to bring the son of God into the world. She never doubted that he would be called great and the son of the most high. All she did was doubt God's ability to do it in her. She said, but how will this be since I am a virgin? I, you know, she never doubted the, our, our unwillingness to believe God to work in our life comes from us focusing too much on our inability instead of God's ability. And um, we need to come to a place where we're totally focused on God. Audacious faith can only come from God and who he is. And it's got to be, you've got to know who you are. And regardless of that, believe God that he can work in your weakness. He came and he said to um, Moses, he said, the very next thing he said was, I will be with you. To Gideon, the next thing he said was, I will be with you. 
to Mary, the next thing that he said was, and the, the Holy Spirit will come on you. He always put the focus off the person's inability and back on God's ability. He said, you know what? You can't do it, but I can in you. And, um, and we can get the band up. That's great. You know, God has... He, he, he can do thing, things in your world because of his power. He wants to do things and he's willing to because of his love. But he wants to do it in you because you're his child. You know what? The prodigal son, and I'll close on this. this there was two sons, right? One believed that his bad works would disqualify him. And the other believed that his good works would qualify him. And both were wrong. Both were wrong. You know the one with the good works who just kept working and kept working, believing that somehow something would come to his life? When he said, Father, I've served you for all these years and you never gave me a fatted calf. And then the father said, you know what the father said? He said, Son, you were always with me. And all I have is yours. Do you know what? So often, we don't take a hold of all that God has for us because we don't believe that he wants to give it to us. And it's like everything he has is ours, but we're like, oh no, I'm a servant because the son said, I've served you. He didn't know he was a son. He thought he was a servant. He goes, I've lived in your house. I was born from you, but I've served you. And the father's like, Son, you've got to stop working for it. All you need is an audacious faith to take what is already yours. He's saying, I'm willing. Everything I have is yours. But you've got to believe it. You've got to take it. It only comes from faith. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, do you believe that God is able? If you do, do you believe he's willing? And if you do, do you believe he's willing to do it in you? We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.